Hey there. Um, sometimes I be feeling like I wish I still kind of had some type of musical intro because I be feeling like I sound like corny as hell every time I start an episode now, but whatever. If this is your first time listening, hey, thank you for tuning into another week of This Can't Be Life. I am your host, Kay the Rebel. You can find me on one social media platform, which is Instagram. The podcast page is TCBL Podcast. My personal page is at K the Rebel. If you need to email me for anything, I am at this can't single letter B L Y F E at gmail.com. And this is episode 73. It's unfortunate, you know, um, the pandemic that is going on right now. Um, COVID-19 is definitely taking over our lives. And I'm trying to stay positive and optimistic for the most part. But then I have those moments where I'm like, this is heavy. Like, this shit is really real. And um, I do see so many people are not in good shape behind this pandemic. Um, And I know that one of the major things that I have complained about within the past couple of months, I mean, I've been sharing things about my personal life kind of minimally lately. But um, I had started a new job in December and uh, I have complained about the job and how much I hate it. And now that this is going on, I decided to change the narrative on that. I'm not going to say that I hate my job because I'm very grateful for my job, that they are super advanced with technology and allow for us to be able to work remote during this difficult time. So I still get to, you know, get paid and it doesn't really interrupt my life. Um, financially, that is. So I'm, I'm grateful. Um, but for anybody else, you know, that is getting the short end of the stick while this is happening. I definitely totally empathize and sympathize with you and your families. And hopefully they get those motherfucking stimulus package things out sooner than May. Yeah, because I was a little annoyed with that. Like, why the hell is it taking you fools so damn long? Because let us owe y'all some fucking money, whether it's defaulting on student loans, whether it is owing the IRS, y'all will obtain our account information with the fucking quickness and snatch some money out that motherfucker. But when it comes to giving us money, you guys got to really plan and be all strategic. No, 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 no. You need to give people their checks, I would say, within the next three weeks. Six weeks just ain't, it, it ain't it. Too many, what are, what are people supposed to do in, in, in six weeks? A lot can happen with someone. I know they're putting like evictions on hold. I do know that they're not like cutting off people's lights. Um, supposedly, you know, they're going to give people a chance like with car loans and things like that. But it's like, yeah, but when it comes to like food and stuff like that, people's kids are not going back to school. And even if you did have food stamps or something, that's not gonna last you for a whole month when you having to feed 
children at that capacity, you know, all all the time. They can't go outside or it's it's just a lot. And I don't want to get on a rant about it, but um, you know, um I'm just waking up every day with some fears, but just not letting my fears override my faith that there is a higher power and that we will survive and we will get through this. Um, COVID-19 obviously um, ruined things for my live show, which would be three days from now. Yeah, it would have been this Saturday. But, um, you know, I definitely cannot attest to when that will be rescheduled because I really don't know when this um, ban of events um, of 10 people or more is going to uh, be put to an end. I, I would imagine that's not going to be anytime soon because they're not even allowing the kids to go back to school here in Massachusetts until, uh, what is that, May 4th? Who knows? So the way I see it is probably like mid-May, maybe even early June. I don't know. Um, but the thing is, is for people to stay home and be safe, and that is the priority. This does seem like I've left you guys hanging as far as people who do listen to the podcast, mainly on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. But I did not leave you guys hanging for three weeks. I did release a mini episode, and it was titled, I'm Afraid You're Mistaken. And that episode was actually recorded on Anchor. I wanted to try something different. And when you record your episodes on Anchor, it automatically links it, I guess, to Spotify. So with that being said, I will now have many episodes. Like, it was so easy. I recorded it, like, laying down in bed or sitting up in bed, whichever one. And it was so convenient because it was just one of those nights I didn't feel like getting out of my bed to go load up my mic and my laptop and get all organized and shit. I just wanted to just get it rolling right off the dome and it was so convenient. So um, if I ever skip a week here, um, obviously if you follow me on social media, you will know that I posted my many episodes on on, um, Anchor. Or if like, say if I'm out of town or something, that is going to be very, very resourceful to me. And I also heard you can kind of get paid Um, from it too by like sponsors but I mean I don't think I'll have um, that many listeners for it to get that far but yes again I will continue recording here but if I release a mini episode you know that's where it's going to be on Spotify and not on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud so for this week's episode um I know you're probably looking at the title like, what? Why is love so expensive? So let me explain. This episode is inspired by um, the movie that came out. It's probably been like two months now. The Photograph, which had um, the lovely, lovely Issa Rae. And mm, 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 that man, Lakeith Stanfield. And... Before I even like thought about seeing the film, I'm not gonna lie, I was on the fence like, oh, this is just gonna be yet another corny love story. A lot of people felt that it was, but anywho, um, you can always count on Demetria Lucas to like 
give a review of everything. She's like famous for doing spoiler alerts. And believe it or not, I actually really like her spoil alerts because she puts things, you know, in, into perspective a lot. And that's kind of what made me want to go see it. So once I read her review and thoughts on the film, I was just like, okay, I need to see this. In the event, I may want to challenge her perspective or it could be or it could help inspire content for um, the podcast, which it did. So I'm going to read to you um, what she was saying. She was like, I liked the film. Was nice to see black folks just enjoying blackness and being gorgeous and not doing anything ridiculous or harmful or insulting. I wish there was a scene that established Issa and Lakeith's connection. It's kind of like they met three times, have sex, and suddenly there's this deep connection, but based off of what? I wanted a montage of time spent and emotions established to buy into their angst without being apart. Another thing, it not bothered nor disturbed, I don't know the word. The ending, I wish he was the one that made the effort, even in our fantasies about love. Black women have to fill in for men's shortcomings and pursue. She then said that, I guess, Lakeith Stanfield's character, um, he didn't speak disrespectfully of women. He wasn't intimidated. If she made more money, he picked up the bill on the date. Um, blase, blase. And um, usually black women require less. However, she said it just, it wasn't a bad choice, as in the movie, it was just bad storytelling. Now I'll start quoting Kerr Ferrer without paraphrasing. Just you know how folks were mad at the end of Queen and Slim, like, damn, this happens when we tell the story. That's how I felt here. Sis flew across the Atlantic. But did he ever make a gesture so grand like even when black women create a vision of love in any way we want, we still envision ourselves doing more or the most to get it. Now that like ending of her commentary, because it was a long ass caption. I was like, damn, do Instagram even got like a cutoff? Like, you know how Twitter got their cutoff? Like, okay. This is it, but no, Instagram just let her have that long ass caption. That's why I didn't want to spend so much time reading it. But anyways, I went to go see that film with my mom. And as we were riding home, um, I discussed the commentary, well, Demetria's commentary, because my mother fell asleep on the fucking movie at least within 45 minutes. She was done. She was through. Me, I was interested because I, I needed to get to the part or to see what Demetria Lucas was talking about. So my mom fell asleep after the first 45 minutes, then woke back up. And then my mom started saying that what she felt as she watched the film is that black women always have to walk the extra mile for black men, whether it's in the beginning stages of dating, an exclusive relationship, or sometimes like even a marriage uh, my mom also proceeded to say that black men tend to hesitate when it comes to us or they're not sure, you know, 
when it's like that commitment or whatever, that big stage or big hurdle, like we have to leap. She just feels like, you know, we have to pull teeth to get them to know when they're truly serious or that they're sure about us. So um, I guess now will be the time. I guess this is a spoiler alert, but I know not that many people saw the movie because they kept hearing that it was corny. So um, I'm not even going to use the royal characters' names because I think it'll confuse people. I'll just talk about them as their names in real life, which is Issa and Lakeith. So although the two of them, like their love story as I could piggyback off what Demetria said, moved like super fast within the first few weeks of them knowing each other, I personally felt it still was organic. I mean, I could see why their connection had escalated so quickly. However, when he ended up finding out, he as in Lakeith, that he got offered this job in London he like ghosted Issa, Issa, and I was I was annoyed by that. And when their love story came together in the end, the only reason I feel like they even crossed paths after he ghosted her is because they both had some unfinished business in um, Shreveport, Louisiana. He had to finish up writing his last article for The Republic, which was the, I don't know, newspaper or magazine company he was working for. And then Issa Rae needed to go there to receive answers to questions her mother never gave her until after she died. And basically, Issa was kind of unraveling all these untold stories or truths about her mother and who she was and her relationship with her biological father. She like left Issa Rae like letters and a safety deposit box kinda putting together all the pieces of like her story since I guess, she, you know, she had died so she never really got the chance to, to, to tell her. Well, she knew she was going to die and kinda kept it a secret but then left the safety deposit box. But, um. Not to get off topic, but when Issa and Lakeith met up unexpectedly in Louisiana, this part of the film, he decided to tell her that he accepted the job in London. Like, it was crazy. Like, you ghost her, y'all meet up again, coincidentally, and then you're like, oh, yeah, by the way, I accepted a job in London. I mean, it made things super awkward. And he just kind of left her stuck. So it's like you ghost her, you drop this bomb on her, and then you just don't even like spend the night with her and wake up the next morning to figure things out. He just basically flew back to New York City before her and then took off to London. This fool never picked up a phone or anything. So how they were able to connect when he got to London is because Issa ended up sending him tickets to a Kendrick Lamar show that was going to be happening in London. And of course, she sent two tickets and sent them to his new job where he works. So of course, he's confused, like two tickets. And then she flew out there to join him. And right, I guess, before they went to go to the show or whatever, she had to kind of profess her love for him 
and tell him that she wanted him and that she wanted to make it work, okay? So yeah, this leads to why I ended up making the title for this episode because it's like, I know this is like a raggedy ass analogy and y'all just gonna have to bear with me through this one, but yeah. Why do us sisters, like, can't just find love at, like, TJ Maxx or Marshalls? Why we always got to be the ones that we got to go to Nordstrom and Neiman Marcus or Saks Fifth Avenue? Kind of like, let's just say as if we're skimming through stuff at those high-end price stores and we know that there ain't going to be no bargain or something maybe that we could afford to at that moment. You know, it's not an easy thing. You got to make some tough decisions. Like, okay, this is kind of pricey. Do I really want to get this or whatever? Like, you know, and as opposed to if we just go on TJ Marks and Marshalls, I don't know, not one woman that can't find something or go shopping in there and load up her cart and it's not going to be a problem. I'm talking about regular life people before anybody read too much into my analogy. But yeah, it's just like, why can't our love lives be as simple as that if I had to talk about shopping for clothing versus like shopping for, for a man? Like it's almost like, okay, maybe we won't be able to afford everything in Nordstrom's today, so maybe we're going to have to o- open up like a Nordstrom's card in order to get all those items that we want. Why can't it just be, you know, an easy route for us? Um, and I just feel like Issa Rae in that moment She had to pay such a high price, metaphorically speaking, just to find love. Like, and all I'm saying is, okay, there's not many people that are going to be willing to do that. And then you'll have some people on the side of the spectrum that'll be like, oh, that's so dope. You know, she showed him that she wanted him. She went after what she wanted. You know, she shot her shot. But it's like, no, no. No, no, no. That is too damn far. That's way too far. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, you know, I, I, I was, I feel the same way that Demetria felt. Like, no, I, I want the black queens to have the happy ending when it comes to love and those ill-ass love stories. But jumping through all them hoops to get there no I'm not with all that especially when somebody didn't reciprocate the same thing to be with you so it's kind of like one of those things like okay so if she never kept pursuing and kept going at it he just would have been off in London doing his own thing so then it kind of makes me wonder is did he was he really into her I mean I felt like he did that he was into her, but then it's kind of makes you question like, well, were you really? Because, well, or, or, okay, what if he only behaved that way because he was hesitant, because he was scared, because his previous relationship, I guess, kind of had got ruined because maybe he didn't really know what he wanted. And throughout the film, his brother, who was actually married with children, just kept telling him like, bro, like, This time around, do not mess this up. Like, if you ain't serious, like, just let that girl go. And maybe he felt like he was saving himself from himself. Like, oh, I'm not going to make a mistake. But I feel like, why we got to do that too? If you're a grown-ass man, you know what you need to do. You know that you need to show up and be present for that woman. Honor her, love her, respect her. You know, be transparent. You know, all that. You know what to do. You're not stupid. 
you like black women don't need to keep teaching or any woman for that matter don't need to keep teaching you know a man how to treat her you know better you do so it's like i can't really use that as an excuse it still was very trivial to me like demetria was saying like what what the fuck um but i will say that i took another piece of it a different perspective from Demetrius and when I watched the film I felt like it was basically two stories in one and um Issa Rae's mother um her name was Christina and her love interest I guess was a guy named Isaac who was actually fine ass Daniel from Insecure so anyways when the movie first started off it more focused on Issa Rae's mother's love story and it started off with this quote like literally within like the first three minutes of the movie where Issa Rae's mother said I wish I was as good at love as I am at working I wish I didn't leave people behind so often so me I'm always the one that's always trying to dissect quotes and like ooh, this is about to be some real deep you know belief the surface type shit Ooh, this is gonna have layers to it yeah I was mad ready like okay take your mental notes pay attention so as I continued to watch the film I did learn that Christina dated Daniel from Insecure and Daniel basically wanted to get married to Issa Rae's mother but she would tell him all the time that she wasn't ready. Like, no, I don't want to. And he didn't have like much of a career. He like worked on some boat. I didn't really pay attention to what he was doing. But her, on the other hand, she wanted to reach for the stars. She was a dope ass photographer out there in Louisiana, but she felt like she was just so limited in that area and that she needed to be somewhere else so that her work could really flourish and, and take off. So, um, Christina ended up making the decision to leave Daniel and move to New York and he refused to come with her and his reasoning was when she's like all oh, kind of like oh but if you love me like we can make this work but he told her like he couldn't see himself there like I'm not relocating no like that's what you want to do so when she was in New York um, she ended up getting a call finding out that her mother passed so when she went back to visit um back home you know to obviously attend her mother's services tell me why daniel well isaac is the character's name but i'm saying daniel from insecure his aston already got married and she only been gone a couple of months so it's like now when i was watching their love story Again, it seems like he was so into her, like you wanted, he kept wanting to marry her. Like it's very rare you ever see a guy pressuring a woman to get married. So that was already kind of unique for me anyway. Like, wow, he's wanting to get married and it's not the other way around. So I was just shocked. Like, so niggas moved on that fast. Like it kind of triggered me to be a little angry, made me think about Harriet when, um, her uh dude had did the same thing like yeah doing the most um but anyways yeah so um found out he was married you could tell she was like she was hurt but she didn't really show it too much and then when she returned to new, to new york she ended up finding out that she was pregnant 
which you don't kind of find out till way later on. So that's when she found out she was pregnant with Issa Rae. And then she started dating some new guy who she ended up staying with for like ever, basically up until she passed away. And that's who Issa Rae always thought was her, her, her biological dad until she got the letter and then found out that her dad, that she thought was her biological dad, really wasn't. And then that's why she went to Louisiana at the same time as an Issa Rae went back to Louisiana at the same time that Lakeith Stanfield did. And that was just essentially so she could meet, I guess, Daniel from Insecure as an old man, which you find out is your biological um, father. Um, one thing I can say is that if you look at um, Issa Rae versus her mother, the difference is, is that Issa Rae's mother, Christina was her character, that she did not take a chance on love and she followed her dreams as in her career. And it's funny because then when you looked at the story, it was basically flipped when it came to Issa Rae and Lakeith because Michael was the one on the end that said that I'm going after my career, you know. I know I'm in New York at this time and me and you are feeling each other. This connection is dope, but now I got to chase my dream, you know, because it was something that he had before meeting, you know, Issa Rae. And um, I just feel like Issa Rae probably used her mother's love story to kind of make that drastic decision that she did make or just for her to have an outlook on how she wanted to approach relationships in general. Maybe she felt like had her mom stayed back in Louisiana and not went to go pursue um, her first love, which was photography, that maybe she could have had the perfect love story with Isaac. And maybe she just didn't want to be like her mom with the sh coulda, woulda, shouldas, or that being that girl that, oh, you know what? I missed that last train in Paris. Maybe she didn't want to be that. I, I don't know. But then that also makes me think so much about too, how like a lot of like um, therapists that specialize with couples in particular always say that who we show up as in our relationships presently are somehow connected to our parents, whether you were raised in the household with them or not. And I really do believe that theory. The more that I grow older and wiser and I not look at just my own relationship or marriage or I look at even other people's relationships, it is very, very true. Um, there is definitely um, um, some, some connection there. So I guess with that being said, I couldn't completely knock her for making the decision that she did because maybe that's why she wanted to because she looked at her mom's story. Maybe she said she doesn't want to be that girl. Maybe she does want to put love before the career. You know what's funny is that I guess if I had to make a choice too, Knowing me and the type of person that I am, I'd probably put love before a career too. And I'm only saying that because sometimes those kind of connections or those type of feelings or a con that that you get from people, you only get them once in a lifetime. I feel sometimes or. 
you know that that's a chance at a lifetime. I feel like just as much as relationships end, sometimes I feel like those are sometimes easier to sustain or give you that feeling that you know that there could be longevity or a forever because it's more within your control as opposed to your career. Like, for instance, um, I've had career mishaps that were out of my control due to organizational changes within a company. And each time that I ha I've had those things kind of happen to me, um, it was nice knowing that you had like a life partner to be there with you, you know, as mushy as that sounds. But at the same time, I don't knock people that will choose their career over their love. But just as much as people say, you know, not following your dreams, you have to like you're an individual first or or whatever. I don't know. I still feel like sometimes it's love is just a little bit more costly. The price is just a little bit higher or th sometimes the risk is even higher. I guess yeah for 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 love. And um I don't know how many women out there are willing to be Issa Rae. And there might be some women who would be in Lakeith's shoes as well, that they could walk away or be like Kyle, yeah, Issa Rae's mother was, choose the career first. I don't know. But yeah, that's basically what I wanted to talk about uh, today. And I really hope that somebody will give me some feedback about what you think. Or what would you do if this was like your life, your decision? Are you going to choose love over your career? Or would you choose career over love? All right. And I'm out.